had a friend growing up who uh, his father and mother were very wealthy. Uh, they had a lot of resources and just did very well for themselves. And I never forget growing up, he always had the best stuff, best toys, best gifts. Every year, we all were jealous because he had the best of everything. And around about 17 years old, I had a very interesting conversation with my friend in which he lamented to me that all those years that we were jealous of him for all the stuff he had, he was actually jealous of us. He was jealous of us because many of my friends, not all, but a good number of us at that time had both of our parents in the home. Our parents did not have a lot of money. Uh, I remember there were many Christmases that me and my brother did not actually get gifts. Uh, we got something but we didn't get the things we wanted and all those uh, amazing gifts that my friend got. Well, he said, man, I, I really wish I had that same kind of childhood where my parents gave me attention. They came to my games, they spent time with me. He said, but all I got was a bunch of things. And I never understood for a second, man, like that's a bad childhood. I mean, you got all the stuff we wish we could have got. He said, but I never got their love. He said, I wish my parents had known that I would much rather had them than the stuff they could buy. And it was interesting to me that he spent the majority of his childhood, the majority of his formative years, wishing that his parents knew something that they were not aware of. They were doing everything they knew to do, but not operating in what was needed by their child. So I say this to my brothers and my sisters uh, who pastor churches of all different backgrounds, all different ethnicities. When it comes to black America, specifically black Christians, and very specifically this black preacher and pastor, there are so many things I just wish you guys knew. One of those things I wish you knew is that sometimes we are greatly frustrated at your assumption that it is more urgent to travel to the other side of the globe to administer help and give resources than it is for you to stay right here and help those black Americans who are struggling in the streets of America. Sometimes I wish you guys knew, uh, not to be offensive, but sometimes you sound silly. And some of the things you say that are clearly assumptions that give us indication that you have no one in your personal space that even remotely looks like us, but you are trying uh, to give us what you think we need. When if you would just have a conversation with us, you would find we could tell you very clearly what we need. I love you guys, I do, I do, I do. Uh, but I wish you understood and that you knew how much it hurts many times to watch you endeavor to be able to declare your church as one that is multi-ethnic, but it is not multicultural. It is one in which you are forcing many people to fit into your ideas, fit into your beliefs, fit into what you figure is right for them. That is a painful thing to watch. I love you guys, I really do. And I believe that there is a potential for unity in the church, uh, but I'd be lying if I didn't say, I, I wish you knew that I feel the pain when I watch you put your politics above my humanity. When I watch you put uh, who you vote for above the God that we say we serve. Scripture is very clear about God saying, you know, what you do to the least of these, you do unto me. And I think oftentimes we forget that as we uh, celebrate liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Sometimes we do that at the expense of others. I love y'all, I really do. 
but I wish you knew how many things you have uh, passed on to your sons and your daughters that have been inherited from slave masters. How many things you have integrated into worship services and, and ministry practices that you have pulled from many traditions that have spent decades and centuries marginalizing me. And so I, I love y'all, I really do. Uh, it's so many things I wish you knew. I appreciate, you know, the gifts. I appreciate uh, your preaching gifts. I appreciate uh, your philanthropy. I, fr I appreciate how you step in at times and I appreciate all you have offered to the body in terms of amazing structure and, and plans and, and church planting ideas and all kinds of, I appreciate all those gifts, but I really wish you knew that I would appreciate having you as an actual brother and sister much more than the stuff that you can give. So I love you guys. I, I hope some kind of way this helps. I, I really do. If nothing else, I just hope you walk away from this and you know and you embrace me as actually your family, your brother, your son. I wish you knew that it is a little bit patronizing when we only see black speakers at your churches on holidays. I wish you knew it's a little patronizing when you only speak up about civil rights uh, when all your other peers have said something about it and you feel pressured socially to do so. It is clear that it is not out of conviction, but it is simply out of one of trying to maintain a particular uh, belief in who you are, or who you want to appear to be. I know that sounds strong and I apologize if it offends anyone. Uh, it is not my intent to offend, however, I don't believe it's been your intent to offend me, but you have. I love you as my brothers and sisters, and if we can't have hard conversations and we can't share the truth with one another, then we have deeper issues. Uh, I wish you knew how much I wish that I could see more of me on your staffs. How much I could wish I could see more of myself on your stages. Uh, and it's not simply a case where uh, we want power or anyone wants to be in control. It is that how can you say I am part of you and you never show me? I, I, I love you guys. I really do. I really do. I wish you knew how much Breonna Taylor hurts. I wish you knew. I wish you knew how much uh, you consistently saying, oh, let's get more facts. Let's get more information. I wish you understood our frustration that when I and I understand, I understand in Brianna's case, there are some laws in place. I understand for many of you, uh, your belief says, well, uh, the young man shot at her first and they I get all of that. I really do. But I wish you understood how many times we have watched laws bent and broken in this country to lock us up. But when it's time to liberate us, when it's time for justice for us, those same laws become stronger than steel. I wish you knew that frustration. I wish you knew what it was like to have to worry, irregardless of your uh, feelings toward police. And I love police officers. I love firemen. Our church supports police officers. We feed them every year, several times a year. I have a close relationship with the chief of police in Sacramento. Uh, so this is not, uh, I dislike police officers. I dislike people that should not be police officers. And I dislike a system that allows them to remain in that position. 
we want pastors and we want leaders that are uh, integral. We want to hold pastors and preachers to all these standards, but we do not hold the ones that wield bullets, guns and knives and, and tasers to the same standard. And so I, I wish you guys understood that. I wish, you know, I wish you actually would hear what I'm saying because we do this all the time. And so I'm praying that you don't just watch all these videos and have a kumbaya moment with your staff and then go on with business as usual. I hope you know that if you change, the world changes. Well, hey, welcome to the Divided No More Candid Conversations this week, this week's edition. We hope you enjoyed the video that that just played from Daryl Scarborough, and I'm very excited to be joined by Daryl. And and so, Daryl, if you will, uh, tell a little bit about yourself. Tell our list, uh, the folks that are viewing with us here right now, so they can have some familiarity with you. And then we're going to kind of dive into unpacking a little bit about what was just shown, and then we'll open it up for some Q and A with those that are a part of it with us here. Cool. So uh, welcome, everybody. Great to be with you on today. Um, Pastor Daryl Scarborough, I am originally from Chicago, Illinois, uh, moved here to Sacramento, California, the wonderful state of California, about three and a half years ago to pastor the Boss Church. Yeah, uh, used to stand for Bayside of South Sacramento, and it was planted probably about 14, 15 years ago um, under the leadership of Ray Johnston and the founding pastor, Bishop Sherwood Carthen. Um, who was an African-American man, tremendous personality. Many have known him, just a giant. Um, and he passed away probably about six, seven years ago, I believe. Um, and the church was founded and intentionally built to be multicultural, multi-ethnic. Uh, and so I stepped into a very uh, unfamiliar place um, because I grew up in a traditionally Black church. So um, it's been definitely a God thing. So been here about three and a half years and we've had some insane ups and downs. Um, and uh, just give you guys a quick idea of insane ups and downs. My first year here, um, Stefan Clark uh, was killed. Uh, some of you may have heard of it. You may not have heard of it. Uh, it became national news, global news on some levels. And his grandparents attended our church. So his funeral service was actually at our church. And this is my first year. So wow. first wow. year I'm dealing with CNN and uh, Reverend Sharpton. There's all kind of stuff going on um, at a church that is multi-ethnic. And so that was a very, talking about uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being thrown into a fiery furnace. <laughs> <laughs> that was my experience. And so I've been here about three and a half years and it's been, uh, God's been faithful. So um, I'm here for dialogue and partnership and, to uh, play my part in helping the kingdom uh, be united in what God wants us to do. So glad to be here with you guys. So good. It's so good. Well, I know, I know folks who are participating had a chance to see the video that you did that contributed to the resource kit, um, potentially for anyone that joined late or maybe they only caught a part of it. Can you give just a brief a real brief summary of what uh, of what was in that video, just so we can recap and we'll kind of set it up for our conversation here. Uh, super simple. It was my hope 
for my white brothers and sisters who lead churches? Um, what did I hope that you all could see, realize, or embrace um, concerning people of color and, and particularly African-Americans, um, those of us who are darker skinned? Um, and so it's just a bunch of things that I wish and things I wish you knew, things I wish you embraced. Uh, some of them I know probably were strong. And I, I know for some of you, you probably listened to it and said, oh my goodness, why do you say it like that? That's so mean. Um, it's not <laughs> intended to be mean. It's not intended to be mean. I'm just a very direct person. Um, mm. And so a lot of my hopes, things that I wish you would know that you would embrace, uh, it really speak to the parts of us that you can't see. Um, and also speak to the assumptions. I would really encourage you to watch the video um, and the assumptions. But to sum it all up, my hope is that many of my brothers and sisters would simply just see us, see, hmm. see me, you know, see me, understand uh, that while I'm your brother and sister, I don't have the same experience as you. And so the assumption that it is the same is often what leads to a lot of the division and a lot of the frustration um, for Black Christians, because uh, there's often this assumption that, you know, our existence either, it's one of two things, it's either uh, is the same as what you've experienced as my white brothers and sisters, or it's all in our head. Mm. And, and, that, and that becomes frustrating. And so yeah. that's really what the video was. It was really just like, these are the things I wish you guys would um, understand, see, and even embrace when it comes to uh, Black Christians and Black Americans. That's so good. And so, you know, the idea of being seen, right, the seeking to understand instead of presuming, it's something that we do need to, to take on. And, and, and you used a, a, a description that our family is, is very comfortable with, partly because of the background that I grew up in. I grew up in a inner city New Orleans and dad pastored a mostly black church there. And, and so as I was growing up, we would always just call each other lighter skinned or darker skinned. We, <laughs> we, 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 we saw each other. We were unique. I think obviously there aren't a lot of churches like that, um, but we saw each other's family. And so you use that. And I think for our lighter skinned uh, brothers and sisters out there, it is important as if we have a wider hue uh, to to not just presume that we might understand and certainly not to presume upon you our own worldview and viewpoint and experiences, but really to seek to understand. And that's important. I I'm, I'm appreciate the challenge that you're giving there. Yeah. From a definition of term standpoint, let's be clear as we as we kind of dive in here, Let's be clear about what multi-ethnic or what you mean when you talk about multi-ethnic and multicultural. Can you define those two? And if they're different, how are they different from your vantage point? So for me, they're drastically different. Um, multicultural and multi-ethnic are different in this way. Multi-ethnic means that there are multiple uh, skin shades and uh, ancestries in a particular group. So our church, uh, Boss Church right now, is multi-ethnic. Our church is about 55% African-American Black, 
uh, it is about 30% or so uh, white, and then the rest is a mixture of Hispanic and Asian. Um, so we are multi-ethnic, all right? Uh, we are also multicultural. Now, this is where the difference becomes. Because you can have a church, you can have a, let's use a family for an example. Um, you know, many families are mixed families. They have adopted children and um, you have second marriages and things of that nature. So in one house, you can have uh, a child that is Asian, a child that is Hispanic, a child that is white, a child that is black. However, that house, though multi-ethnic, is not multicultural that family typically has one culture, that culture yeah. being how that family operates, their norms, their idiosyncrasies, those, those things that are unique to them, that family shares that culture. So they may go to another house um, that is not multi-ethnic, um, but they will see that there's a different culture between the two families. And so that's what I mean when I say that. So our church is multi-ethnic, but it's also multicultural. Um, and it's multicultural in that all of the groups that attend this church still uniquely keep their authenticity of who they are, where they come from, their ancestors, their traditions, their ways, their norms, all that stuff maintains. Um, mm. And so that's the difference. I hope that makes sense. Uh, that, that, that's how I see the difference. No, it's good. So you're, one's about, uh, one's about the, the, obviously the various... Um, backgrounds, shades of skin, the nature yeah. of that. The other is, the other is really sounds like to me, it's about honoring the uniqueness of each culture instead of becoming just one culture, like how, how churches may have a pervading culture. It's not just leaning into that dominant culture, but allowing a chance for collaboration and honoring of all of the cultures that exist there. Yes. That is, exactly, okay. that is exactly it. Good stuff. So, so next question. Talk about, and I love this, by the way, talk about the idea of how you want white brothers and sisters to have more than just transactional relationship with you. I have two questions on that. First one is define transactional relationship for people. Like, what do you mean when you say that? Yeah, it, it is simply... The, the idea of quid pro quo, quid pro quo. It is the, um, I'm buying a shirt, I give you $5. It is the, <laughs> I engage with you. And I'll give you some examples. Um, I'm, I'm weird. So those of y'all watching just know, I'm, I'm a weird person. I've accepted that I'm weird. So I don't really get bothered by a lot of things. Um, and so I can have a negative encounter with someone and just kind of brush it off but I do remember them. I do recall them. It does stick with me. Um, and so there have been several times I've had relationships with um, my lighter skin brothers and sisters where I've been invited to things. Um, I've been asked to speak. I've been asked to pray. And it's transactional in nature. And what I mean by that is I'm only being asked because at that particular moment, it is beneficial for that group to have someone that is darker skin. It, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, um, and this is not an assumption I'm making. These are the, the, the instances I can recall and I know about. I know for a fact that it was just, this is beneficial. And so, Daryl, hey, man, we need you to come do X, Y, and Z. Can you do that for us? Oh, that'd be so great. And I, the reason I'm calling it transactional is because we have no relationship outside of this moment. 
Hmm. We, we have none. And so you're asking me for a favor, essentially. Um, and my only uh, value in this is that my skin is darker. And it mm. gives you the, it gives them, them, I'm not gonna say you, it, ge- it gave them in those instances the ability to say, see, you know, <laughs> we have uh, black pastor friends. And, and I think that's one of the things yeah. I mentioned in yeah. the video is when we only have people that don't look like us on particular holidays, mm. um, you know, Black History Month, and then you have a string of four or five African-American speakers. Women's Month, then we have four or five women speakers. And everybody's like, see, you know, we, no. And so that's what I mean when I say transactional. Um, that's I, good. I just get, Give me a relationship outside of that, you know. Yeah. Um, and don't just randomly say, hey, can you do this for me? Because we need a Black guy. And so that's what I mean. Yeah, and that's really what I mean. Well, and, and it, you know, there, in, in the globalization of where we are today in our world, there are times when you can't necessarily be in, be in each other's homes, but it's almost like that's what you're suggesting, right? Like find rhythms together where we can have actual friendship and share space yeah. with each other, whether it's a sporting event, we're eating a meal together, we, we're with each other when we've had a tragedy or we've had a victory you know, find actual friend rhythms together. Don't just do it around this ministry business that we're involved in or this idea of reconciliation, for example. Don't just let me be a part of your life because of that. I think that's, I think that's solid and we need to be aware of it. I mean, in white dominated culture, we've, we've, we've kind of gotten used to the, oh yeah, I serve the poor or oh yeah, I do. And we've, we've compartmentalized even our the way we relate ethnically and so you're challenging and i think it's a great challenge let's actually be family together yeah and you know jason one of the, the key words you said though there is is rhythm um, mm. in this day and age we're, we're not going to talk 24 7. i don't believe that's the expectation i have friends that i have grown up with i'm 42 now i have friends that i've been friends with since second grade and we don't talk every day. Um, I have probably one of, one of my closest big brothers in the ministry. Um, it's a guy named Brian Olick in Getty in, um, Michigan. Brian and I are both extreme introverts. Brian's white. I'm black, as you guys can see. Mm. Uh, uh, we're extreme introverts, but we will text. He'll respond two months later. Uh, I'll respond a month later. We have a consistent relationship. Brian has come, he'll come preach for me. And we may not even go eat lunch when he's in town. But that's because we have a rhythm. And that's all mm. I'm saying. Like, let's have that's a good. rhythm outside of this moment. That's the, so hey. yeah, you hit the on head. That's good. Um, so I want to say we're going to open it up for Q&A here in just a second. I've got some more questions, but I want to I want to go ahead and put that out there to say if you've got a question, uh, you can submit that question into the into the chat or into the into the classroom here, uh, the, the, the with the tool that you have for that. And um, it will be passed along to us and we'll highlight some of those questions as we are dialoguing together. And until I see some of those questions come through, <laughs> I'm going to keep asking you my questions. Okay. Um, and so we'll wait. We'll, we'll, uh, I want to put that out there, though. So for those that might want to su- submit a question, they can. 
um, you just hit on it with those rhythms. I mean, help help some of our folks that are a part of it here. Give a couple suggestions on what those rhythms could be uh, that might allow for it to move from transactional to actual relationship. So um, let's let me walk you through a hypothetical. Um, yeah because I don't want to deter anyone that's watching this to say, oh my God, I can't ask so-and-so to come for Black History Month. No, that's, that's not what I'm saying. I don't, I don't, no, I don't that's, want you to yeah, go that far. Yeah, no. uh, but let's say you, you have no relationships with anyone that doesn't look like you. Let's, let's say that's, you know, um, and you want relationships with those that don't look like you. Then you have to be intentional, okay? And that intentionality starts with, an invitation um Mm. it's it's an invite to hey i may not know you you may have heard somebody somewhere i'll use me as an example you may reach out to me and say hey daryl i'm trying to figure this thing out man um you know can can you chat sometime that's a start now yeah are we going to develop into best friends bffs who knows because again rhythms have to be natural it needs to be organic but you cannot have organic growth if you are never intentionally planting seeds. It's good. Um, it's good. And so at some point you're going to have to reach out. So, okay, let's say you reach out. Uh, now this could seem like transaction because now you're asking somebody, Hey, can you blah, blah, blah. Cause you're no, what you do is you say, Hey, I would like for you to speak for this. We would like for you to pray for this, but can we go to lunch either after or the next week? because I don't want this to be a one-time kind of thing. That's right. And then you just start from there. And so those, those um, instances, how it becomes rhythmic, how it becomes more relational, is simply by invitation and conversation. And that's, that's really all it boils down to. And I think we do have to understand that people are people. And so there are there are some black people I don't like. (laughs) There are some white people I don't like. It has nothing to do with the hue of their skin. It has to do with, I just don't like them. And that's okay. Don't, Don't force it. But we also have to be open to the reality that there are some people that you are just gonna like, you're gonna click with, even when you don't agree on everything, you know? And so... I, I think that's where you guys have to start. Those of you that are interested in that, you just have to start with intentionality, you know, intentionally putting some seeds in the ground and seeing which one sprouts, um, being intentional to water it with conversation and, and go from there. It's good. It's good. Yeah. I think, you know, here where I am locally, um, I know of a few older leaders who, who articulated to me, they did not have a relationship with someone of a, of a different skin color or someone of a different background with them. And they decided to do something about it. Like what you're suggesting, they decided to plant seeds. They decided to engage. And what I've, what I've been able to see or watch and, and have been enjoy, we, we had a burger, one of them and I had a burger together recently. And, uh, and I was able to hear from him with joy and excitement the friendship that has developed with two leaders in particular that they've reached out to two pastors and, and those two pastors and not only are they becoming friends, but this individual, this, this white skinned older leader has even gone and visited their church family where they gather Mm. and sat under their teaching 
has has tried to engage in rhythms with them where they are, not just ask wow. them to come into the rhythms that they have. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so that that ebb and flow is what I it's just been fun to watch the beautiful life-giving way that it's moving from transactional relationship to actual relationship. And so I, I, I think you're right. It's not complicated, right? It's, it's pretty simple. And so take some of those simple steps. For those that might be saying, okay, I want to take simple steps, but man, I've blown it in the past or I'm scared of this. How do you encourage them? How do you get them to overcome some of the fears that maybe are inherent because you think I'm going to offend them or I'm going to say the wrong thing or I'm going to, how do we, how do we get each other? How do we disarm and get each other to actually engage like that? Wow. That is a very good question. Um, it's almost like dating. <laughs> it's, it's like any romantic relationship. Um, there's a period of time in which everybody has their representative. They have the best, you, you know, you, you wore your best outfit. You opened the car door for her. Uh, she wore the <laughs> best dress she had. You know, everybody's getting, given the great presentation. Um, mm. But then comes that fourth or fifth date where you start getting into the nitty gritty of things. Yeah. And the question all of us have to ask as we get into that fourth or fifth date is, how much of myself do I want to reveal to mm. this person? How vulnerable do I want to be? And the, the reality is this. We only get back as much as we reveal. Mm. Uh, good. And, and, and so when you it's really, really want to be with somebody, you are like, you know, hey, this is me, da 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 da, da. And there's some parts you kind of, you know, you kind of like hesitant because you're nervous. You're like, okay, they might not let me hold off on this, but you are, you know, I love this, I love that. And, they, and then typically, hopefully, um, especially if you're married, hopefully this is how it went, uh, they respond, oh my God, yes, you know, and, and then it becomes this passion that goes back and forth. Um, and so what I say, I say all that to say that if you are apprehensive, if you're nervous because things did not go a particular way before, uh, that this is the time for you to say, you know what, I need to start dating again. And I, I, I need to find someone that doesn't look like me. And let's just go eat and start that process. And you will find that as it organically grows, walls will begin to come down. You'll begin mm -hmm. to share as you find common commonality and common places. Um, and though, and that vulnerability will allow for you to be able to take another step and another step. But the first step is you got to forget the last bad relationship. <laughs> you can't, you, you just, you, you, you have to, you have to. Yeah. Um, it's, it's super simple sounding. I, I know it's, it's easier said than done, um, but that's, that's really, you, you just gotta, you gotta let the last one go. Well, and let's go, and I love that because I think sometimes you do just have to push through that fear and that, that the idea of, okay, well, what are we going to talk about? And not like things that maybe are just the normal relational fears of just meeting someone new, for example, um, you have to push through that and want something bigger. And maybe that's a, maybe that's a, a good connector, especially if, if you're uh, as Christ followers and leaders and things like that. Um, to understand the theological implications of it, right? Like Jesus is building his multicultural sanctuary, 
Yeah. Right. It's, and it's us. I mean, it, you know, it's this idea of pulling together people from every tribe, tongue, tongue and nation that will worship together. And so understanding the theological implications of that, there's a motivation to understand, man, this matters. It isn't just a project. It actually is what Jesus is up to is uniting us yeah. around the gospel and around him and his kingdom. And, and so there's a beauty to it in that way. So let's go brass tacks with it for a second. Somebody lives in a community that's so white, it couldn't be any whiter, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. like what, what do you do? I mean, you know, like, cause that's reality for some people there. You know, I get asked sometimes, you probably do too, uh, even though I'm not brown skin, but I get, I still, because of my background, get asked sometimes, you know, well, I, I know my church ought to be multicultural or multi-ethnic. But what if we live in a community that doesn't even have anybody but white people, right? Like, what do we do now? How, how do we engage from there? What, what might you suggest to someone? Um, I would suggest the same thing that uh, we learned in Chicago. Those are, I said it again, I grew up in Chicago. In Chicago, there are many areas that are food deserts, mm-hmm. food deserts. And the food desert, for many of you that don't know what that means, there are areas, there are communities in America in which um, healthy food is not readily available. And so typically what is around in these areas are fast food like McDonald's, Burger King, candy stores, liquor stores, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a Walmart, things of that nature. In those instances, we have learned, those of us that desired to eat healthy, we realized we had to go outside of yeah. our community. So I says, that means we had to put effort into going a little bit further than our Mm -hmm. comfort zone so that we may be healthier than our surroundings. Mm -hmm. Now, I I, I don't say that to suggest that any community that is uh, mono anything is unhealthy. Sometimes it's just demographics. Sometimes it's just socioeconomic stuff. I get it. Mm -hmm. However, when you reach a point in your spiritual maturity, where you are desiring and the Holy Spirit has put a craving in you to be healthier and broader in your relationships, then that's when you have to say, you know what, I need to get in the car and go someplace. So I'll give you an example. There's a guy at Engedi. You guys have me reference Engedi a lot. Uh, I have a a love with them. I've been preaching at Engedi for probably 12 years um, and so I have a very deep relationship with them. And Getty is the church that my buddy Brian pastors, I told you guys about before. And there's a guy there, um, older white gentleman. He is one of the quirkiest cats I've ever met in my life. Um, and in Getty is in Holland, Michigan. Holland, Michigan is like 99.99999%. White. <laughs> it's like a Dutch community. Um, and so, I, he, he told me this last time I was there and, you know, all this turmoil has been going on in our country. And he says, man, Daryl, you know, you know what I've been doing lately? I said, well, what's that? His daughter's like, dad, please don't tell him. Please don't tell him. Uh, he says, no, 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 I can't tell him. He says, I've been just going around and I look for black people and I just pull up to him and I say, hey, man, you know, and I just start a conversation with him. And I cracked up laughing. It's funniest thing ever. Because uh, <laughs> I say, you probably shouldn't do that to just anybody. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but he had been doing this. And he said, he said, I've had the most enriching conversations that I, that I never thought I would have had. 
Um, and he's, he's, so he's been driving 20, 30 minutes to places, um, 20 minutes outside of Engedi, 40 minutes outside Grand Rapids. He's trying to just find people. And while that is an extreme, you know, I wouldn't advise you guys to randomly pull up to people. But when you are in Starbucks or you're in places that um, you just see someone that doesn't look like you, it does not hurt to say, hey, how you doing? And see what organically yep. comes from that. Now, I say that, but I also want to also give you the freedom to be in that space. Don't, don't, yeah. what I mean by that, don't force yourself. You know, if you're not there yet in your spiritual maturity, if you're not there yet in, in your uh, social construct and how you think, don't force it. But when you, if you are one of those persons and you're watching this now or you're watching this later, whenever this is, and you know there's a desire in you, say, hey, man, I really want, I really want to connect. I really want to know someone outside of this space that we live in. Yeah. Then be intentional. You know, then, then you can start doing those things. But also don't beat yourself up if you're not there yet. Yeah. And that's one of the things um, I really hope you guys hear. And Jason, I'm really trying to articulate is that the times we live in now could make uh, one of some of my white brothers and sisters feel like I have to figure this out. I have to get black friends. I have to get, no, no, no. Because if you force it, it will be unnatural. And when yeah. it comes off as unnatural to us, we take that as here's another transactional relationship someone who's trying to make themselves feel better and using me to do it. No, wait till you are in a place where the convictions of your spirit are saying, go and then go yeah. and then just go. It's good. It's good. Well, I think there's, I, so, I mean, man, you're, shell, you're, you're shelling out so much wisdom and encouragement. And I hope our, our participants hear that and are, are, are taking it in. It, it, there, it, there, it is simple. It is about actual daily natural rhythms. It is about the opportunity to, to cultivate for a long-term friendship with those that might be around you, or you may have to, like you said, make an extra effort to get outside of what your normal everyday patterns are in order to engage. But the beauty, the transformation, the life-giving nature of what will come out of that effort if it's authentic, if it's organic, as you said. Um, and I just want to say, you, you can rebuke or affirm this, Daryl. I know I am, as I engage in this conversation more and more, um, I, I keep finding a, a moment and a space where I need to honor my brown and black skin brothers and sisters because you've been crying out, like, like you'll hear right now a common statement that the church has been silent on this in America. And I push back when people say that and say, no, 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 the black church hasn't been silent. Yeah. The white church has, right? Because let's honor the fact yeah. that we are one church together. That's what it's supposed to be, even if it's idealistic. But you haven't, the brown skin leaders haven't been silent. Let's honor that. Let's recognize that you're coming into the conversation having wanted this conversation for years and even centuries now um, as a culture. 
And here we are awakening to it, awakening to it. And we need to honor the fact that we are pretty late to the game. But at least we're coming to the game, and 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 let's be careful that we are uh, not so let's let's don't get so sensitive that we miss out. But let's also be honoring and sensitive to the fact that you haven't been silent as a group, as a culture, and now we have a chance to engage together. And so let's put in the simple yet sometimes difficult effort that it might take to see if we can cultivate for authentic gospel reconciliation kind of relationships together. What's a closing thought as we wrap up here that you would leave with folks uh, just as you encourage them to take a next step? Um, that essentially you all, we, we are a choir. We're a choir. And what that looks like is a choir typically has alto, soprano, tenor. While they are in sections, and at times, depending on the song that is being sung, you have a part that is for the sopranos only. Sopranos sing, the tenors and altos are silent. Um, and, 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 it, and it flips. But usually at the, the height, the peak of the song, the, the climax of the song, it is all voices. Mm. And I think the church, especially in America, has to look that throughout our history, we've each had a part. The white church has had a, had a solo. Uh, the black church has had a solo. The brown church has had a solo. Uh, but we are reaching a point that is critical for the song of existence in which we have to sing together. It's good. And, and we can't be worried about whose voice is louder. We can't be worried about uh, who sang the best part. We can't, even, we can't even concern ourselves with how the beginning of the song is gone. We have to nail the end of the song. Mm, and I good. think to do that is <laughs> we all have to follow the same director. It's mm, good. And, and, and that's Jesus, the Holy that's Spirit. Right. That's our director. Um, theology, really quickly, is shaped by our social place in life and what we've seen, what we've experienced. And so we may see different sides of Jesus. We may see different views. Um, but the beauty of a choir together are the multiple voices that blend. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the beauty of the angels crying, holy, 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 one to another. It is, it is this ongoing testifying between each other uh, of who our magnificent Savior is. And so if I can leave you guys with anything, we are not going to agree on everything. We are a choir. We are parts. We are pieces. We are individuals. But we have to come together as a whole to finish this song. <laughs> because there's, there's, a, there's an audience of unsaved that are sitting and listening. Mm -hmm. and, and that's all I can leave you guys with is, you know, we're not going to agree. We are not going to agree. Even if you go out and build these relationships, you are going to have some arguments. But you don't let the argument keep you from building the relationship. Let's just Good. sing the song, man. Let's just sing the song and see what the Lord does with the audience. I love it. I love it. And I'm going to say, I'm going to take a risk here and try to be funny. I'm going to say, though, let's at least clap on two and four. 
but the least <laughs> clap on two and four, though. I mean, come on, white brothers and sisters, don't clap on one and three. <laughs> clap on two and four, and we can start, you know, getting that rhythm together. Yes, sir. <laughs> no, that's good, brother. I, I'm 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 grateful for you, and uh, you know, let's we'll, we'll be full disclosure and candid. You and I, but we we only have a transactional relationship at this point. Yeah. I do. I've, I've enjoyed it today. I've enjoyed you were someone that I would love to share a meal with. And I'm not in Sacramento. I'm in Nashville. But but I hope as we uh, as we uh, keep engaging together, we can someday do that. And thank you for what you do, for your leadership, for the video that you did. If you're a participant and you're like, man, I want to take another step in this. I want to keep going deeper. Or I want to keep engaging. Um, the resource kit is available you can go to multiplication.org and you can uh, get this resource kit, uh, $39. You can see it on the screen there. Um, the video that Daryl did that you watched earlier is a part of that. There's a lot of other videos that, that are a part of it, articles, some eBooks that are out there. So you can engage in this. And then there's equipping resources that'll help you it, it lead in, engage with, and equip the people there in your local context. Um, I also want to mention that there are roundtables that the Exponential Network is doing, uh, and and they're all over the country, and you can be a part of them. They're they're local and in person, with obviously with the different protocols necessary that come along with that, with our current moment. Um, but there's also one. I think it's next week. That's an online one as well. And so if you go to multiplication.org, you can find out information there. And I want to say that if you do sign up for a roundtable, you get the resource kit uh, automatically with that. And so be uh, looking for that. If you want to go deeper, if you want to take another step in this, multiplication.org and multiplication.org slash roundtables. Daryl, thank you so much for uh, t taking the time today. I hope we get to do this again. And, and uh, uh, I'm... I've already got, I'm going to make a note right here that uh, if I can get out to Sacramento, I'm hoping I can be uh, someone who worships together with the boss out there and, uh, and I'm the boss church and I'm looking forward to that. And so uh, for all of you that are listening out there uh, that are, are participants with us here, we appreciate you taking the time today. And Daryl, thank you big time for leading us and letting us learn from you today. Thank you so much for having me. And don't worry, if you come to Sacramento, I'm putting you to work. So <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to it. I look forward to it. All right. All thank right. you. Good stuff, man. Peace out. Y'all have a great week.